Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Jason Gewertz, Vice President of the North Star Meetings Group Sports Division and the Executive Editor and Publisher of Sports Travel. And our guest on this episode is Gary Hernbroth, a veteran hotel sales executive and the founder and chief motivating officer of Training for Winners, where he does motivational speaking for sales professionals and leaders in the travel industry and beyond. We'll be talking about Hernbroth's early days in sports-related travel from a hotelier's perspective and his advice for sales professionals today looking to succeed in the competitive travel industry. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 23 will be held in the Palm Beaches of Florida at the Palm Beach Convention Center October 2nd through the 5th. This year's conference will once again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee's Sports Link Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything we have planned at Teams this year, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. Gary Hernbroth spent 17 successful and colorful years in the luxury hotel business in sales and operations leadership, including stints with Weston, Fairmont, and Park Lane Hotels. It was there, especially in Northern California, where he lives now, that Hernbroth discovered the power of sports-related travel at a time when it took some convincing to explain the potential benefits of the market. Hernbroth did this in part by attracting professional sports teams to stay at his properties when they were in the Bay Area to play the region's professional teams. But once team traveling secretaries began telling their counterparts about the services Hernbroth's hotels could provide, word traveled fast, and the case for going after sports groups became easier to make. In 1995, Hernbroth founded Training for Winners, taking his years of industry knowledge and sharing it through motivational talks and workshops for others in the industry. Today, he travels the country speaking to groups to encourage their sales professionals and leaders to be the best they can be. In this episode, we talk with Hernbroth about his early awakening in sports-related travel, what makes the market different than other group segments, and what advice he has for sales professionals in the current climate. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Gary Hernbroth, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here. It's nice to see you again, Gary. You go way back with Sports Travel Magazine a few years back. You were uh, writing columns for us for a while on all kinds of things, sports-related, hotel-related. It's it's nice to connect with you again. And of course, in these uh, more modern times, we have so many different outlets now on how we produce sports travel, including this podcast. So it's kind of nice to check in from time to time uh, with people like yourself, especially those who have a history with the magazine, check in with what they're doing now, but also you know have a discussion about things that remain relevant uh, in your world and in our world. So uh, for starters, Gary, it's just nice to reconnect with you and have you on board on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jason. And thanks to North Star Meetings Group. You guys always always do a great job. Yeah, I, I went to the very first teams and I want to say it was back in Washington, D.C. Yep. And I want to say it was in the, I, I say the basement, but the lower floor, the lower meeting room floor of a hotel that I, I think is closed now. It's It was the Wardman Park, I think maybe, where they used to have springtime in the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was there, and there were some uh, you know, little pipe and drape tabletop booths, and uh, yeah, they were just trying to get it started. And what's this all about? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a whole market out there, so it, it did nothing but grow. I mean, every year it was bigger. And yes, I, I had the, the fortunate opportunity to speak to many audiences. I did some sessions with uh, some of my 
Major League Baseball uh, traveling secretaries. So they added a, a unique perspective. And uh, we had a lot of fun. It was fun to really see something grow like that because now it's a, it's a, it's a big business. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to imagine our team's conference will be 25 years old uh, this 25. year. 25, wow. Yeah, yeah you're dating beach, me so. here, Jason. You're dating me here. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've, I've been to almost all of them myself at this point, too. Okay. So um, so we're in, in good company. Well, We're, we're, Gary, we're wise veterans, you know what I mean? We're, <laughs> yes. Uh, a, lot, a lot of wisdom. Uh, in, in so our, much wisdom. Our, so much wisdom. Well, Gary, uh, for those who are not familiar with you, uh, give me kind of your, your quick background. I know you've got a background in the hotel industry and the hospitality industry specifically. So uh, just a kind of the, the quick bio for those who are listening in for the first time for us on, on what your background was in the industry and, and what you do today. Really? Yeah. Really quick bio because these people are wondering who's this guy and what does he know about it, the whole thing? But yes, I, I came out of Michigan State University with a hospitality business degree and I spent 17 years in luxury hotels with Weston, Fairmont and Park Lane International. And I was I actually started out in operations. Uh, you know, they put you through a pretty good training program at Weston and Coming out of that, I, I had some operations jobs, and I thought, you know, sales is really where my talents lie. Um, and I can't—I don't know if it was passion all, all back there, but it was certainly talents and interest. And I just found that I was fairly decent at it. You know, few people thought I did a good job. And anyway, uh, so I spent the bulk of my career in, in sales and marketing. And uh, as such, uh, as a director of sales and marketing, I did still book accounts. I had uh, territories from the east to the west and south, everything. And one of the one of the uh, the market segments that I always held on to, in addition to my larger association clients and all that, you know, in the, in the D.C. area, was the sports market. And I, I got my taste of, of sports travel when the Cowboys, my favorite youth team, is a youth uh, Dallas Cowboys, came mm-hmm. in, and uh, that was kind of neat because here here are your your boyhood heroes and they're walking through your lobby and you know what's that all about. And then uh, in in earnest, uh, when I uh, opened the Park 55, we went after sports business, or I went after sports. I walked literally walked into my boss's office and said, you know, there's a market here I'd like to pursue. And she said, well, what is it? I said, it's a sports market. And she kind of looked at me and, well, what's that? Well, what, what do you mean? And I explained it to her a little bit. She was, okay, we'll go for it. We had nothing. We we had all, all of the, the teams were, were very established uh, in other places. And and I literally, when I left the hotel in 1995, I had the most uh, Major League Baseball teams in any one hotel in either the American or National League. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah. I'm not taking all the credit for that, though. You know, salespeople can can get the folks in the door or whatever. What really helped was, number one, the, the traveling secretaries themselves who spread the good word about, hey, this is a great hotel. You've got to come here. You ought to leave where you are. Come over. Gary and the folks will take care of you. So... So word of mouth and building up those relationships with the teams and building up that that trust and, and really you know selling honest to them and, and and not spinning a tale of what it'll be like. That's one. And number two is my, my the internal team. I mean, my my teammates fully, fully credited with return business because no matter what I say, and you know, going to the winter baseball meetings or you know, the hockey groups, we had hockey, we had football, we had uh US Open and Olympic Club, we had all this kind of stuff. It doesn't matter what I say. It better be the reality when they when they get there that it's a real true uh, delivery, right? So I have to tip my hat off to some people who, uh, internally who really enjoyed the teams. Um, there were some special challenges which I can get into in a little bit here, but uh, it, it's a it's a team it's a team effort. So I'm not taking all the credit for that, but I am very proud of of being able to to wedge my way in and kind of grow that market uh, into all those teams. And then the Sharks came along. Now 
they came along in 90 or 91. The Bay Area had never had a hockey team. And lo and behold, um, I got a call one day and somebody says, well, one of my buddies is a traveling secretary to the Houston Astros. And I asked him, where should we stay? And he told me, call you. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. And, you know, they hadn't really announced a lot with the Sharks. And I said, well, what, what's happening? You know, and so I did my homework real quick, found out the Sharks were going to have a temporary home in San Francisco at the Cow Palace for two two seasons while they were finishing the, the, the San Jose uh, arena or whatever it is. Yeah. And I said, whoa, okay. So for two years, I booked, I think, five or six hockey teams, the Blackhawks, the Nordiques. Some of these teams are, you know, not even around anymore. The Nordiques and the, um, the various ones. We had uh, we had fun. We had photo ops with them. And that was a whole, whole bunch of fun. And, of course, they went to San Jose and then with them, you know, went the team business. But for two years, we had a good run when the when the Sharks were in the old clunky cow palace <laughs> playing their inaugural two years. So I kind of felt like I was on the inside uh, inside of that. I love it. Uh, Gary, you mentioned uh, at the beginning here when you first approached the folks in, in your hotel about sports being a market. Was there any kind of a awakening that you had back then or a realization that you know this in itself uh, should be a vertical of the hospitality industry? Because it seems like even, you know, back 20, 25 years ago or so when we were talking about the, the you know, the start of teams, uh, I think for a lot of both hotel properties and even in destinations, it was still a little bit novel that this would have been a specific market that was worth going after. Yes, it, it was considered novel, but when you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. My 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 epiphany, if that's what you want to say, was really just putting some logic together. Now, remember when I was when I was up at the, at the previous hotels, I knew that we had you know people like the Cowboys and we had you know CBS TV and all the affiliate business that come from sports and teams. I remember that, and I said, you know, why can't we have that here? So these teams come to play. College teams come to the Bay Area to play, you know, Cal, Stanford, uh, you know, all those. They, they've got to stay somewhere, right? They don't they don't fly in and fly out. They've got to stay somewhere. They might as well stay with us. They might as well stay with, with uh, my hotel. So I'm going to go for it because, again, I don't know that it really had special uh, – I think back then, Jason, to your question – it was really kind of well. Whoever the salesperson was at the time that picked up the phone was the one that that booked the business. So it was kind of reactive. I kind of turned that around and made it a mission of mine and a market of mine to go after my local contacts. Like, okay, I'm going to need the support of the San Francisco Giants travel guy if I'm going to get through to the other travel guys, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't need them. I'm going to need the support of. Cal and Stanford Athletics for teams coming into the Bay Area to play. I'm going to need, and and so I, I build these local alliances of people who could be local references for me. Brought them down to the hotel. We had lunch. We I gave them tours. I started from, if you want to say, I went. I started from the inside out, and and built those local. Um, what do you want to call them? Uh, loyal, not loyalties. They weren't loyal yet, but there there was a belief. Oh, this is this looks like a good hotel. Yeah, Gary. And I said, well, who would I call? Who would I contact? Oh well, I'll, they, they were they were helping me. I'll send you the directory, and mm-hmm. you can reach out to them. So I had the league directories. I had everything, and you know, Jason, that spilled out into areas that I didn't even envision, but it was really neat. I mean, for years we were the headquarters hotel for the for the professional tennis uh, tour stop in San Francisco. Uh, Barry McKay, if you remember that name, Barry McKay yeah. was, was uh, the organizer there, and he and I became made, you know fast friends. I mentioned golf, you know, was another one of those things. So. I mean, you had the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, you know, you get to know the NFL and the, the 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 convention bureau was the lead on that. But then you have to book all the business inside the Super Bowl. So that was a great experience for me, uh, having worked the Super Bowl. So 
you know, it really just, I just sat down one day and said, well, these teams have to stay somewhere. They might as well stay with us. I'm going for it. Right. Well, it's interesting. You obviously you were at some higher end properties and we're talking about, you know, when you talk about groups like the Dallas Cowboys or a professional tennis star, let's say they've obviously got certain expectations of of what their hotel stay may be like. And as you know, uh, this industry has grown so enormously, especially at the youth level and at the amateur level as well. There's, you know, just endless numbers of possibilities for hotels at all levels. Mm-hmm. I think to uh, to go into the sports market or consider uh, booking things. Were there any things, Gary, both in in your time in the hotel industry and now, you know, in your uh, speaking role and motivational speaking that that you do with the industry that stands out as far as the sports market of of things that make it unique or or different than some of the other traditional group travel markets? It's very unique. It's like the purple rhinoceros or whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, it's funny, after I left the day-to-day hotel business and opened up training for winners, and and as you alluded to, I'm a a professional speaker and a um, business coach uh, for the industry and, and, and others, corporate association and whatnot, people started to seek me out and ask me to be on their sports commissions. So <laughs> I was actually on the startup of a, of a local uh, sports commission here on the east side of the Bay for Visit Tri-Valley. And it was it was that kind of thing where, what is this market all about? You know, this is like trailblazing stuff. And what you, what you come to find out is uh, there is a, uh, and this is new probably than it was 25 years ago, but there's a whole new awareness or, or shall I say, where there has to be uh, some kind of connection between the public and private sector for youth sports, particularly that. Because it, when we were forming up the Sports Commission, one thing we did not have in, in that area was the cooperation of the cities because they wanted to know what we were talking about. Because you're going to need, if you're going to host, you know, Northern California uh, girls softball, youth softball tournament or volleyball or whatever you need, you need facilities right? Yeah. Hotels don't have those kinds of things. So you need the fields, the courts, all of that. And these folks are like, well, we, well, these are city owned, you know, we have leagues going on, you know, we have, we have leagues and we have residents and the residents pay their taxes. And we had to actually build a case that yes, but the visitors and the groups and the teams and the parents and all the players, and they all come in from all over the place. And guess what? They stay in hotels and they eat at your restaurants and they also pay taxes in the in the bed tax. So isn't that a good thing? I don't mean to make it sound so juvenile, but it's almost that approach of, you know, there's money to be made here, but you've got to work public and private sector have to work together. So there was that was probably one of the the issues where uh, they, they didn't always see eye to eye because, of course, public and private sector have two different agendas, right? Yeah, and some of those are universal, Gary. I think we still see that in plenty of markets today, yes. especially those that are just starting out, but even those that are established. That's going to be a, a constant push-pull, I think, in our particular Absolutely. industry when you look at the types of venues that are being used compared to, say, a, a traditional meeting market, a hotel ballroom or a or a convention center when you're talking about fields and and your local kids are playing there it's a you know that that I think is an existential issue for the sports well and the, and the, and what becomes a, a major a major cog in the wheel obviously is a strong and and effective DMO CVB so you know the the stronger they are in terms of their relationships or their well, I'll say power but just influence mm-hmm. maybe is a better word uh with with their influence with the local not only the hotels but also the the public sector folks to maybe build a case. And rather than do it piecemeal, I think there's more success in bringing something to the table, which is a an all-over package thing. Like, okay, you know, this 
this uh, youth event is coming in and it represents, you know, X amount of dollars. And here's how those dollars are spent. And when you build a case like that, rather than do it piecemeal and go, because, you know, you, you can't get the hotel commitment if you don't have the fields, you can't get the fields if you can't get the hotels, everybody's got to kind of work together. And I think that's what's changed. Uh, back to your original question is, how, how has this whole thing blossomed, you know, from the professional, to the college, or the youth? Youth sports is a huge market. I mean, you, you've got entire destinations. And I, and I see your guys' magazine all the time, and I see who's running the ads there. And it's all these cities that... It, 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 they're wonderful cities, but and and you never know. You never think of them as a as a as a youth sports mecca, but mm-hmm. they are, and and it's it's big time. It's really yeah, big. And, and one of the things that, of course, was interesting, I think, in our part of the travel world was we, of course, just went through, or you could argue, are still going through this global experience of the of the pandemic. Um, but what you saw, Gary, uh, in a lot of cases in our sports market was that things continued to go very strong. In some cases, never really saw much of a dip. In some cases, of course, uh, there was more of an impact. Uh, but also some of the first events really to come back, especially as we're talking about uh, filling hotel rooms and people actually traveling. There were certainly moments there where some destinations were 100% filled with sports business coming into their uh, destinations. And I think that was a, a, a bit of an affirmation a bit for our industry. Not Again, not that it was uh, entirely uh, a pleasant experience, and we certainly saw plenty of turnover and continue to see that. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it was telling of the the power of this particular part of uh, of the travel industry. Yeah, my um, I had a couple sons, and I remember with my, my one son, we were he, he was always on a team where the coach told us right at the beginning of the season, these are the tournaments I've entered us in. So get out your wallets. <laughs> and, you know, it was almost, it, it's almost, you you have to go, right? I mean, how can you, you can't say, you know, well, gee, everybody's going to go play. My son's not going to play. So I remember, you know, my wife and I having to say, gee, we better factor in some extra travel dollars here with this basketball team or with this, um, you know, baseball team or whatever it is, because, you know, they travel. And, you know, you, that requires hotels and, you know, a lot, you know, dinners at Chili's and, and things like that, you course, know, wherever yeah. we are and, and you're, you're, but you're traveling and, and there's, there is so much, I mean, you, people talking all the time, oh, my, my son or daughter is playing in the, in the, you know, blah, blah, volleyball gala in Reno. And we were going for three nights and we're going to, then, we, you know, there's also the rodeo in town and we're going to do the, I mean, again, I think there's a great opportunity uh, if salespeople uh, are savvy enough, and, and this is where your, your your CVB and DMO come in and can be helpful, to build a package to entice people because you're going to get some extra stays there, right? Because you mm-hmm. may have you may have one uh, son or daughter in, a, in in the game itself, and they're there all day, but you've got other they've got siblings, and the siblings don't want to sit around and watch their sibling play five volleyball games, so they got to get to do something with them. So you got to go and find stuff to do. Are there other events? Is there a theme uh, park? Is there an attraction? Is there some kind of other thing that the family can do? And then they might they might stay an extra night or come in a day early or, you know, make it a little mini, you know, the, these these youth sports events, it really becomes kind of a family little mini getaway. So th- there's 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 a lot of potential if if uh, hospitality folks can can get on the same page and get these these uh, connections and relationships going with the venues that they need. And everybody pull together. Uh, there's yeah. there's there's a lot of potential for that. 
Well, you mentioned the need for salespeople to be creative. uh, And I think that's uh, across the board. That's certainly not unique to the sports market. When we talk about the travel industry and the hospitality industry, we also mentioned, Gary, of course, you uh, make your living now uh, speaking to various groups, uh, quite a few of them in our, you know, broader travel and hospitality space. So let's uh, shift the conversation to, uh, I guess, maybe a little more general terms uh, based on where we are in, in the market right now and, and in society. So I'm, I'm curious, I mean, we can obviously we can go hours because that's uh, that's your specialty here on this. We don't necessarily have hours, but most of the people in our audience, Gary, are salespeople in some capacity, whether they work for a city or or even for a sports organization to make the case of why you should participate in your event and, and where it goes. Give me your thoughts right now as far as uh, you know, sales professionals. When you're talking to them right now, Gary, what kind of advice are you giving them in the current climate, you know, in broad strokes here on how they can do their job better, you know, what success looks like, things that they need to be focusing on right now and what remains, you know, just for certainly in some markets, a challenging time. That is a huge question. It's a great question, Jason. So let me, let me try to, let me try to parse that out a little bit. <laughs> As best and, you can. And, and of course, there's no, there's no, first of all, there's no one size that fits all, right? I mean, one size fits one person and then the next is on their own. So, there, there will be some people listening to this saying, well, he's not talking about things that apply to me. Well, just wait five minutes. I might be, mm-hmm. I might, I might <laughs> come back to you, right? So there, there's no one size that fits all. But but in general, you know, the, the pandemic obviously caused great pain and hardship all over the place. And this industry was certainly in the media almost every day on how many thousands were hemorrhaging, you know, from being left left uh, let go or left behind. And now we're building that back. But it's not an even build back, right? So there's some places that have all the help they need, and other places are are screaming and crying for staffing and and what that. So salespeople, many of them are doing the work of what might have been two or three salespeople before them. So I realize that they are a lot of them are in a very reactive mode right now. They're just getting the leads coming in. Um, group, you know, groups are coming back. So, you know, the, 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 again, micro markets, I know that this industry is always about micro markets, but yeah. in general, people are telling me, Gary, there's not enough time in the day. We get these leads. Most of them we can't book. Most of them we don't want to book. We can't, we don't even have time to respond to them. It's hard to find the, the separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, that's their biggest deal, you know, managing their time, prospecting and, and working on their pipeline. <laughs> That's a luxury. And unfortunately, yeah. and I say that unfortunately because I'm not condoning that, but that's the reality of the time for, for many salespeople. And of course, you know, Jason, what happens when you get a downturn again, that that's exactly where you want to go is to your relationships in your pipeline. Yeah, for sure. If you haven't been working that and you've just been reacting and then business goes bye-bye, what do you have to go on? So I, I'm going to do the right thing here and say, you've got to work in some prospecting and relationship building. And, and of course, I'm going to get salespeople going, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I get 20 leads a day. I'm, I'm, I'm in quicksand here every day. I, I understand that. But go back to those days when COVID w- was around and you would have given anything to have three dogs walk in your office, bark three times, you would have booked them, right? The other thing is being honest. You know, this staffing shortage is real. So what's it, what's it cost uh, facilities and venues and hotels to do? cut back their hours, close some, some um, you know, they may not have their restaurant open anymore, or maybe it's all grab, you know, cash and go, grab and go, whatever it is. You know, you can no longer do this, or you can't do it on a Monday and Tuesday. You know, I mean, we see that in our own cities and towns. I mean, there's still wonderful, viable restaurants in my town here, you know, the California, where, you know, a lot of businesses come back, but they're still not open on Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 
uh, talk to yeah. the owners. They'd like to be open on Monday and Tuesday, but they can't find the staff that wants to work. Yeah, you've so. hit on a great point there, Gary, because we see it certainly on the sports side of uh, organizations that were used to a certain uh, level of service, you, right. you know, years back, two, three years back even, and it's just not there at right. this point. And we hear it as well, sort of, you mentioned honesty, that need, I think, for in our case, let's say an event organizer of a, of a sports tournament, just to know what the expectation is so they can pass it on uh, to their attendees. Cause I, I don't think there's anything worse than expecting one thing and, and not having it when you show up, especially when you've got say a group of kids and, and fam- family members uh, who are, who are expecting something that's not being delivered. Like, like check in under four hours when they're all camped out in the lobby with their, with their duffel bags and all that. Yeah. That, that, I've actually been in hotels where that's happened and you literally have to you could walk on all the gym bags and not touch the carpet to get to the front desk. You know, I've always, I'm not saying I'm I'm an Eagle Scout here, but I I always was an honest salesperson because I figured this, first of all, that's how my parents raised me and it's the right thing to do. And I believe in the high road, but the practical sense of being honest too, is the fact that this is what goes around, comes around in this industry, right? It's a very small industry. Your customer is going to find out anyway. So salespeople out there that are trying to do things with smoke and mirrors, uh, because they're not they're not on 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 solid footing with with what their place can deliver, you're gonna you're gonna have to be honest. There's there's no there's no there's no choice in the matter anymore. And that honesty is, hey, when you get here, we aren't going to have food service by the pool. In fact, the pool is only going to open for three hours a day. We don't have the staffing. Well, okay, tell your planner that and work with them on what an alternative might be, so they're prepared for that. Because the last thing a salesperson should want is a customer getting to the hotel walking into their their office or or if they don't have an office anymore they're on zoom and saying look this isn't what you sold me now the other disconnect appendix to that the other disconnect that i'm hearing is they there's nothing on the website about any of this mm-hmm. in other words there's no there's no truth serum on the website to say oh you know by the time you get to the hotel you know this is this and we we've, we've decided to to renovate our our west wing and uh, you know that's going to be there'll be a little bit of noise and you know that's not actually on websites right so um you know you've got to be honest you've got to tell your customers you know whether they're sports or corporate or anything what the real deal is at your hotel primarily to fend them off in advance to make decisions on their side that maybe they can they can be flexible or, or what. And that's kind of what I wanted to get with a full disclosure that both sides have to be flexible here a little bit. And if you're going to tell me that you don't have something at your hotel, maybe could you arrange that? Could you think about maybe creating an alliance partnership and finding an alliance partner in your community where I could do that? Maybe there's a facility or something like that. So salespeople have to kind of broker those deals, right? Or get the get the back to the bureau again, get their CVB DMO involved again in brokering some some alliance partnerships where the hotel can no longer do something and someone else could help do that. And I, it comes down to math, Jason. And you, you, I bet you didn't think at this early hour we were going to talk about math. I, I was told there'd be no math in this podcast, but go well, ahead, there won't Gary. be a test, but okay. there'll be math. I, I wanted to share one equation with you, and and you may have heard this before, but I love it, and I live by it, and I preach it all the time. One plus one equals three. One plus one equals three. And the definition of that is very simply this. It's when one party works together with another party, and together they create a greater product or a greater result or a greater thing, whatever that thing is, than each of them could have done on their own. Mm-hmm. So again, one plus one equals three. If you and I joined our forces on a project, 
we would have something at the end that is greater than either Gary Hernbroth or Jason could do on our own, we'd have something bigger and better. So that one plus one equals three is kind of a mentality thing that I'd like people to, to grab onto to find these alliance partners and 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 really, you know, they could they can make something really, really special because that's that's what it is. We're we're in challenging times now where you know what used to be a year ago uh you know may not be around anymore. Um yeah. I'm I'm yeah. thinking of these event planners that you know they go to the same place every year or whatever. Do a poll of them. You you guys do such great polls at North Star. Do a poll of them and say, okay, of, of those of those of you who go to the same facility every year or the same destination every year or whatever, you know, with your meeting, how have things changed, say, since 2019? I think you'll get tremendous change, including the salespeople. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just one thing I'd like to say to hotels right here. I have heard a, an alarming amount of planners tell me in the last, I want to say, year that they're working with someone and then they're not. But they don't find out without them contacting the hotel first and saying, oh, he or she isn't here anymore. You're now going to be working with now. And they may have a name or they say, we don't know actually who's handling your account. We'll get back to you. That does not instill a great amount of confidence from an event or a meeting professional to know that the hotel's got their back if they can't even tell them who the salesperson is or can't even tell them in advance that salesperson or their conference service person is gone. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of a thing. So I find that an abhorrent way to run business, actually. Yeah, well, it uh, it speaks to the nature of, of relationships as well that we were talking about earlier, and the, and that need to have that solid communication. I think between all sides, and you know, we're talking a lot about hotels, and you were uh, mentioning before this one plus one equals three concept. I think we're seeing that a lot, particularly in the relationship between convention bureaus, and sports commissions, directly with uh, event organizers, sports event organizers. In our case, that's a theme that's come up a lot with the uh, sports events and tourism association, which we're actively involved with, and I, I think you're starting to see. A, a slightly broader narrative there, you know, for events being maybe less transactional than they were before, and and really seeing these relationships grow a bit, and and some creative thinking um, just at a necessity, I think, uh, on on both ends, just because of how the landscape has changed a bit over the last couple of years. Yes, and and it's I think it's a great time to be in the business from the standpoint of making making inroads where maybe you you didn't make inroads before because there are these opportunities. You know, if you're if you're an intrepid salesperson. And you're sitting there like I was, you know, many years ago thinking, hmm, hmm, the sports market, they got to stay somewhere. You know, it's just having those light bulb moments where you go, you know, I, I, I'm i going to go after some business that we may not have been able to go after before because of maybe the size or whatever. And, you know, let's face it, groups have shrunk, right? Groups, groups aren't, you know, I, I heard one statistic that there were 66,000 exhibitors at trade shows in January of 21 and there were 33,000 in January of 20 I'm sorry 21 22 to 23. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less exhibitors which means there's a lot less trade shows uh, you know by comparison the same month a year ago. That's alarming. But that means groups are smaller so maybe there's you know maybe your hotel can go after these smaller groups that have shrunk in size a little bit, don't have the needs they used to have. Um, so I, I think if you're paying attention and, and thinking about what kind of business you really want to go after, you know, that, that's going to help. And I, and I know that you're still reacting. I, I get that. Um, and I wish there was a better way. I think people in this industry, Jason, are going to all have to put their heads together because something's got to give. They, they can't just 
continue to get leads, they, they, they're not going to respond to and waste their time. There's not enough time to go around. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, uh, as we said from the outset, that it feels like we could talk about these issues uh, pretty much all day long. And I know you, <laughs> I know you can as well. Uh, but it is, uh, it's always great to connect with you, Gary. Appreciate your insights as well, because you were out there talking to, you know, not just uh, in the sports world, but in the larger travel industry, which is something that we uh, like to promote as well to our rather specific audience, you know, who's who's more focused on, of course, on on sports business. But for those who want to get more information on you, Gary, and your uh, and your work right now, where can they point to? Uh, I know you're involved in the, and available at all kinds of uh, events and conferences and, and business meetings. So how can people reach you? It's pretty easy. I'm a full disclosure guy, Jason, and thank you for asking. Uh, my website is trainingforwinners.com. It's training and then for for winners.com. Very simple. My email is gary at trainingforwinners.com. I'm located in Northern California, east of San Francisco, but uh, there's airports and I fly a lot. So <laughs> I'm available and all my work is customized. So who's ever out there thinking, you know, gee, you know, it's this or it's that. Uh, I don't show up and, and just give a can deal. I'm very uh, thorough with my customers and they get a, they're going to get a customized uh, approach from me. So pretty easy to find. I also uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So I invite any of your listeners who want to come on to LinkedIn. Uh, I will be happy to connect with them. I have a Facebook business page simply called Training for Winners and I'm on Twitter. So pretty easy to find. And uh, I, I look forward to connecting with folks. I always like sharing. And even if we don't have any business per se, to talk about right then, it's fun to share insights because that's where I get uh, a good amount of my material and, and in reading the tea leaves of the industry. And then they also seek me out for maybe it's sometimes a little professional advice, a little career advice, a little transitional advice of, hey, I'd like to transition into something else in this industry. Can you help me? Whatever. I'm always glad to help people. So either way, you know, if it's business, great. If it's uh, a, a little bit of just uh, you know sharing insights, I'm I'm very much in favor of that too. Excellent. Well, you've been great with us over the years, Gary, all the way back to the very first Teams conference, as we talked about at the beginning. So uh, appreciate your uh, support over the years and your time today to uh, to chat with us. I'm sure our paths, I know our paths will be crossing here soon, but um, terrific to catch up with you, Gary. Thanks so much for being on with us. Jason, thank you for the opportunity. This has been another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features regularly updated breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports events industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Words for sports travel, and thanks for listening.